Welcome to the Four Feathers Podcast, brought to you by ONTAPSportsNet.com and presented by Manscaped. If you're looking for the best manscaping products on the planet, go to Manscaped.com and browse their awesome selection. The Lawnmower 3.0 brings you 7,000 RPMs of skin-safe technology so you don't nick your balls or any other sensitive areas. Want to keep the boys fresh all day? No problem. Go and pick up the ball toner and deodorant so you're fresh from a.m. to p.m. Go to Manscaped.com and use promo code ONTAP to get 20% off and free shipping and all your manscaping needs. That's manscaped.com. Use promo code ONTAP, all one word, and that'll get you 20% off and free shipping. Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome in for Feathers postgame show. I am Johnny Nani, and I have Ron Loose with me on this fine Sunday evening to discuss a 5-2 to two Blackhawks loss at the hands of the Panthers. Ron, uh, in spite of the outcome, how are you doing tonight, my man? I'm doing all right, man. I um, there, there actually is some good things that I can take away from this game, even though they lost, and there's some things I don't like, and I look forward to uh, sitting here and airing such grievances with you on the microphone for the next about 45 minutes. So let's, uh, let's do this damn thing. Jim. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have to say definitely Ron. Uh, I feel the same way. Uh, some good, some bad, uh, even on individual players, uh, both good and bad uh, from them. So we'll get into all of that, but before we do make sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at four feathers pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. And as always, wherever you listen to your podcast, please go subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We would appreciate it. All right, Ron, let's dive in. As I had mentioned, five to two loss to the Florida Panthers. Um, this one, you know, you, you went into it maybe feeling a little bit better having the Blackhawks already played a couple of games and, you know, gets the toughest test you can get out there. And uh, Florida just starting their season uh, tonight. But um, mid, outside of maybe a little bit of rust in the first 10 minutes, I don't think it really affected the Panthers not playing yet. Agreed. Uh, they looked pretty good uh, early on. Uh, kind of a new-look Panthers team in some ways. A lot of guys that are, are new faces, whether you know being just promoted from within the organization, uh, whether guys they signed on you know kind of smaller deals, they kind of overhauled their roster quite a bit. So you would think that would kind of make them you know, more susceptible, like you said, to kind of being rusty in that first game. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at their, their roster right now. I can count to hell. I could probably count about six forwards that are guys that weren't playing on the team last season and on defense. I mean, they got two new names on their back end. So a lot of new guys. And, and obviously with uh, Bobrovsky injured, you know, Drager being in there at goal. So very, you know, I, I agree with you, Johnny, I was expecting Florida at least come out and look a little rusty here. And like you said, they didn't miss a beat. Their their stars stepped up. Um, you know, sure they didn't get on the score sheet and they made some early mistakes, but uh, no harm, no foul for them in that first period. And then they were able to make it up in that second period. Uh, definitely, Ron. Um, let's start with that first period. Um, the Blackhawks could have been on the board first. It's a theme that we've talked about, wanting to see them score the first goal. And uh, there was a setup. Uh, 
Pia Suter had a beautiful spinorama um, assist to Patrick Kane, who buried it uh, in the back door. But the play was called back uh, offsides. Uh, but I, I think still, even with obviously in the structure of the game itself, that, that sucks and that, you know, kind of kills momentum that you had uh, would have had from that. But um, in the overall, since this is going to be a season about nitpicking and development, as we've talked about uh, leading up to uh, this campaign run, um, that's still got to build some uh, confidence for Pia Suter, don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, that play was absolutely magical. I'm incredibly pissed off it didn't count as a goal if for no other reason, just because of, you know, what a highlight play it was from Suter. Almost had kind of the eyes in the back of the head thing, thing going for him. You can clearly see that, you know, playmaking ability. And he, he, you know, puts a perfect feed over to Kaner, who buried it. But just as you mentioned, unfortunately, uh, Kaner couldn't drag the skate, you know, for the, you know, keep it on sides. And unfortunately, they lose out on a tally that would have been nice. They would have given them their, uh, their first lead of the season uh, in yeah. the game. Mm-hmm. And everyone, you know, it's easy to just, you know, talk about the assist because it was a great pass, not uh, undermining that at all. But I think one of the biggest things that he did there was take both defenders with him to leave that back door open for Kane. So if you go and watch the replay, he gets both of them sucked, lunging with their sticks toward him and Patrick Kane. Uh, you're leaving one of the best goal scorers of our generation wide open. So um, that, that's what I like from Suter on that play. Um, it, it was a very unfortunate that that didn't go in, Ron, because the Blackhawks were outshot 12-5 to in the first period, uh, and they didn't record a shot in the last 9 4 uh, of the first period. Uh, it had tipped to Ben Pope uh, on that little figure there. But, um, you know, th- that's a problem that needs to solve here. You can't go uh, in these dry spells, uh, especially with um, how, you know, few and far between the goals are going to be this year. Absolutely. And just to tack on to, you know, what exactly what you just said. On top of that, you know, you can't constantly let your defense be pummeled like that and have that pressure coming to them because if you're not generating offense, the chances are that most of the plays in your defensive zone. And let's be frank, this Blackhawks blue line is, you know, some older guys, but a lot of youth that are trying to learn, you know, very quickly and on the job. Obviously, Ian Mitchell and Boakfist, who I know is a guy we're going to talk about it probably at length on this episode. But, you know, you can't let them just be just torn apart in in your own zone. And then obviously with the goalie situation, too, none of these guys are established. So you're bound to get lit up, um, you know, when that happens. So I agree with you. You can't let that happen. Um, you can't be streaky if you, you plan to play a full 60 minutes, but you also can't be streaky offensively and expect your defense to just take the entire burden. Yeah, so two follow-up points on that that will uh, kind of be revisited uh, kind of throughout this episode. Um, one that, um, like you had said, putting all that pressure on your defense and they have to deal with that will wear them down quicker, and we very much saw that um, later on in, in the game, and I will talk about that and keeping the puck out of the house as going to be a theme for me um, this year because it was very, very bad uh, down the stretch tonight. Uh, But I'll save that for when we get into the third period. Um, So the Blackhawks end up going to a penalty kill early. Um, Looked decent once again. They were able to kill off some time um, and actually spend a little bit of time in Florida's zone uh, on the penalty kill. So I do have to tip a cap uh, for looking for positives in this. Uh, They were, you know, three for three um, in the second game against Tampa, and they did allow one power play golden light. But early on, um, I at least like the approach and the structure uh, to the penalty kill. So, uh, but after that, the Blackhawks couldn't cash in on the ensuing power play. They had one of their own not too long after that. Um, they couldn't get it going there. And a big reason for that was uh, Adam Boquist. He was having a rough time fumbling the puck around uh, at the point, and um, th- that ultimately got him benched uh, for most of the uh, you know, second period. 
Yeah, agreed. He was he was really struggling tonight. Um, a lot of people on Twitter and and just I kind of shared in that observation, but you know the fact that he was benched, he looked disoriented. A lot of people are even questioning if he can ever even be a top pairing defenseman, which is I think very concerning. Um, you know, a little bit of a hot take maybe here from me right now, but I think when the AHL season is ready to open here in the next twenty days or whatever it is that um, number 27 should be on a bus to Rockford and get some playing time down there because he just seems like a deer in the headlights uh, a lot of times in these games. And like exactly what you said, the, the power play couldn't get going. When, you're, when your power play quarterback is having trouble and fumbling the puck constantly, you're not going to be able to generate a lot of scoring chances on that power play. So, um, you know, he was benched in not only just in general in the game, but immediately the first thing that happened, they took him off that power play. And mm-hmm. we saw Duncan Keith then running with that top unit later in the game. So... Tough night from Boakvist, only played 13 minutes, and three of those 13 minutes came on the power play. So he literally played 10 minutes of even strength ice time tonight, which when you only have six defensemen is absolutely insane. Uh, right, Rough stuff for Adam Boakvist, at least on the defensive end of things. I have a few more comments on him, but I'll save that uh, as we get to our observations at the end. Uh, one, one last thing I just noticed. Uh, Colin Delia has this flail to him when he's trying to make stops or there's a bunch of, you know, um, fast paced chances coming yeah. at him. Uh, so we are adding the daily of flail officially to the four feathers goalie drinking game. Uh, we had a few people on Twitter ask, you know, where's that at? I need it. Um, we're still ironing out details, adding stuff like that. So look for it on our Twitter and Instagram accounts at four feathers pod, um, in the coming days, because we will get a nice graphic, uh, kind of, uh, made up for it and how much you drink, uh, for each, uh, infraction, uh, for that goalie game. So, uh, let's move on. Second period here, Ron. Um, Panthers score 12 seconds in. Uh, it was an Aaron Ekblad shot. Um, initially looked like it might have been redirected by Verhage, but that wasn't the case. Um, just a bad start. Um, it, it went in off of Debrinket's glove and key stick. So yeah, I'm not faulting Daly on that one. That's a real tough one, even though it looks like his shoulder is right there in place. It's changing direction twice within, you know, what, tenth of a second? second. Like, yeah, I was going to say split you know, second. Like, yeah, so it's right there, and uh, you know that's just a tough break. But either way, uh, that opens the scoring in the game uh, and puts the Blackhawks behind the eight ball uh, from the beginning of this. So uh, they had a post shot not long after that. So the effort at the beginning of the period, the second period for the Blackhawks, uh, was Elbertel. Um, and then Daly got sucked out of his net um, on another one. I will say he kind of got tangled up a little bit with Zadorov too. Um, but still, uh, even when you look at where he was there, uh, he was out of position on the first spot. So uh, getting back to the second one wasn't going to be possible. Yep, absolutely agree. And, and you know, on that play, Keith Yandel just kind of flips it toward the net. Uh, good play by him, you know, veteran play, throw it toward the net, especially when you know there's chaos out in front. And, you know, he cashes in for his 100th career goal. And I agree, um, you know, as as unfortunate as it was that Zadorov and um, there's Zadorov and, and Delia kind of got caught up there. Just like you said, I mean, Delia is way out of position. He needs to, you know, stay in his blue paint when he when you're above the top of the blue paint and the puck is still that close to the net. Um, it typically doesn't end well uh, for that team. Yeah, you're going to have a bad time. So yeah. that's in summary there. All right. Um, on to our next point here. Um, after, you know, uh, low ice time in the first period, um, I believe, you know, Kubelik was hanging around like three something maybe in the yeah. first. Uh, they started generating some good chances. Um, the, that second line did. And I'm talking about uh, Dominic Kubelik, Dylan Strom, and Philip Kurashev there. Uh, in the second period, they, they were kind of one of the uh, lines that you felt like they had some flow out there. I don't know about you. 
Yeah, they really did. Uh, I enjoyed that line. I'm really enjoying Philip Kurashev as a, as a hockey player. I think he can develop into something really nice. Do I ever think he's going to be a top six guy? Probably not. But I think he's a guy that you know can play pretty comfortably in your middle six for sure in your bottom six. Um, center and wing, and and he's just he seems like he's a really good energy player. Uh, there was a couple instances with that line where he's deep in the corner when you know the Florida defense has the puck, and he's you know getting on guys into the wall. He's you know creating more fuss, you know, really hard on the forecheck, which I enjoy. Um, but yeah, I agree that that line had a lot of of kind of momentum for them. Kind of what else I noticed with Kubalik as well. Um, few instances where they were kind of between changes. Uh, with lines and him, Walmart and Janmark got some nice looks um, on a couple different occasions for uh, the Hawks tonight. So really happy that Kubelik got more playing time. Uh, I'm still going to, you know, I'll revisit it at some point, but the, the time on ice for Kubelik needs to be addressed. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed that line. They, they had a lot of good things going. Really wish they would have capitalized on one because they definitely had some of the best looks of the night for the team. Not the most responsible group uh, as a whole when you're talking about a defensive unit um, forward-wise. I think they could do well to learn a little bit from Philip Kershev's uh, effort level because I agree that you need the scoring touch from Kubelik out there, but at the same time, got to be able to trust him at both ends. And we all know Dylan Strom is slow as shit, uh, yeah. so it may be a product of his line mates too. But I was going to um, say. Th- that air, that's got to improve if they want to be on the ice more and get that total up. Yeah, and just quickly, I think you saw a little bit of that at points because the the effort on certain plays I saw from Strom tonight, for example, that kind of partial breakaway he had early in the game, um, he was actually in deep on that forecheck with Kershaw that I mentioned when they pinned that defender against the wall and kept it deep. Mm-hmm. Um, you maybe kind of saw a little bit of that from Strom tonight, and, and he kind of had a couple instances where I'm like, wow, that's a gear that I've never seen Strom have in Chicago. Yeah. Um, so that would be a nice growth product for Dylan Strom coming out of this game. We'll find that good old silver lining is negative Nani loves, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just seeing that effort rub off. So absolutely agree with everything you said. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, the matter of uh, we want to, we want to see him out there you know, because I do believe they have the ability and the chemistry to score those goals uh, when they get into that zone. Um, but if you're a complete liability in the other end uh, and your minuses uh, every game, then th- that's, you know, going to get you, less ice time. So that's just the ultimate product of it. So uh, as we'd mentioned, Adam Boquist uh, got his uh, reprimand in the second period, barely played um, only eight Oh six time on ice through uh, 40 minutes. That's first and second combined. Um, and uh, let's see. Um, other than that, uh, we had the Debrinket power play goal in the second period. So uh, that was nice. Once again, Duncan Keith back up on the point uh, for Boquist banishment there uh, for the power play grouping one. Um, and Shaw did a great job of uh, baiting Yandel into a hooking penalty to even set that up uh, so the Blackhawks would be on the power play. So that has to be about the third penalty he's drawn uh, this season, really like what I've seen from him so far. But um, we talked about it, Ron. This is the start of the Cat bounce-back season, and he is off to a hot start, and I love it. Yes, as do I. Um, I, I was thinking about that before we jumped on, actually, tonight, Johnny. I was sitting there, and I'm like, i got to find something good to talk about on this episode. And, you know, I know I know you've been pumping his tires. I know Tony's been pumping his tires. This was going to be Dabrinkit's year. And so far, he looks like a different player. 21 minutes of ice time tonight. I think that's absolutely worth noting. He's almost 
feeling like he's growing more into that veteran role now. He knows he's getting paid 6'4", which is the third highest forward on the team. Like, he just, he's got it. And he's not snake bitten this year. I think he just had a bad year. We all said it a lot of times. I remember you and I being and on the he mic. got unlucky. Yeah, he got, un- he got unlucky last year. And and but like I can I can think probably two or three different times off the top of my head where you and I were having that conversation about a certain game. Ah, Cat should have probably had a hat trick tonight, but he got unlucky tonight. You know, like that was literally yep. that yep. last season for number twelve. So um, to to see him pot one, uh, I think right after he potted that goal too, uh, maybe a ah, maybe twenty seconds later. That kind of he came down on that left wing and, and and kind of crashed the net and had a really good chance. It didn't land on net, but um, you know it was certainly a, a chance that stood out to me too. So, absolutely agree. This is the this is going to be the good for me that comes out of this Blackhawk season, and that's number twelve looking like a player that can be a part of truly a part of this core and be a difference maker night in night out. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, so my last point for the second period here was, um, like Friday, a terrible start to the second period, a very sloppy start to the second period, uh, but they came to life late. But unfortunately, there's a greater observation, greater theme here. Um, you know, that can't be the case uh, every game. You can't wait until you're down to start driving some of that possession. Um, let's start and get out and get the lead first so you're not chasing a game. Um, that's my last takeaway from the second period. Uh, into the third, the things kind of culminated. Uh, I had a little bit of hope. Uh, Murphy uh, collected a shot, um, kind of got out to the right point and uh, fired one and it found its way in. Uh, game was tied. 2-2. That was excellent to see. Uh, it's nice when a shot from the point goes in. Um, you feel like uh, you know, you're know you due for one of those every once in a while, especially when you see other teams doing it, and they're able to get them. Uh, but unfortunately, that tie only lasted 22 seconds later um, when uh, Lusterainen, uh, he, he scored, um, and him and Verhege just made Duncan Keith and Connor Murphy look silly. So, you know, it, it, to give, make it three to two Panthers, we could sit here. If that was a young defensive pair, one of those in there, we'd probably be sitting here railing on about it. But what, what can you say to Duncan Keith and Connor Murphy there? It's like, yeah. well, you're a top pair. Like, he just got beat. Yeah. No, a- absolutely. I mean, I, and I saw uh, Blackhawks D Zone, our very own here at ONTAP, too, mentioning that Connor Murphy's kind of standing out as truly becoming a borderline top pairing defenseman in this league um, at times, at least on this team for sure. And, um, you know, to see, like you said, to see the two of those vets like that um, get tripped up and, you know, just misplay it, unfortunately, and leave the youngster to get his first career NHL goal, you know, what are you going to do about it? So, like you said, we would have been railing the young guys if it was Mitchell or Boakvist out there, but it's two old guys. It's borderline unacceptable. Just it is what it is. They just yeah, needed to be they, better, and they, they caught him in a bad spot. You know what? Even the best are going to get beat. Um, that's going to happen. Uh, but it just sucks the juncture that it comes at. 22 seconds after a goal, you feel like they're just kind of uh, so maybe enthralled that they finally tied a game here uh, that they didn't yeah. uh, pay attention to what the hell was going on as soon as they jumped back over the board. So um, that was unfortunate. Uh, if you Turning point, if you'll say, because uh, not too long after uh, Patrick Hornquist uh, shot, deflects in off of DeHaan's stick and threw Dahlia's legs to make it 4-2 Panthers. Uh, another goal, Ron, where I'm not really blaming Dahlia too much. Uh, unfortunate bounce uh, off of DeHaan's stick. Yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, when it's your own team and that happens, um, it's just tough. It's it's the puck luck for the night. I, I feel like the Hawks in this one didn't have great puck luck. Um, you know, Kurashev getting robbed earlier for his potential first NHL goal. Um, you know, like we said, uh, 
Like, how do you want to be? How would you like to be Luster Luster Einan and say, yeah, I beat a Hall of Famer Duncan Keith on my first NHL goal. You know, but that goal that's unlucky because your top pairing gets caught out of position, which is very rare. Um, it's just tough. The puck luck wasn't in favor of the Hawks tonight, and you mentioned it, Johnny. That Orquist goal can't can't blame Delia too much for that. Yeah, and you, you said this, uh, you know, tonight, this game, uh, unfortunately, a feeling it might be a uh, majority of the season. So, um, yeah, we're, we're in for the long haul, Ron. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yes, All right, uh, to, to cap this thing off, Ryan Carpenter takes a slashing penalty. Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau officially ices this one on a power play uh, not too long into it. So that's, you know, one place where I can knock the PK. Uh, it was late, you know, probably out of hand. Hawks probably weren't coming back, uh, but still uh, doesn't help towards their uh, stats and, uh, you know, more. Uh, in that PK group. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like they they kind of got caught feeling sorry for themselves, really. I mean, you know, you're like, oh, we're down now. We got to come out and kill this penalty. Like you said, maybe the morale's a little down. And all of a sudden you get lazy and boom, power play goal puts the, the you know, cherry on top for this one. Um, you know, I mean, it was it was three of their best players, in fairness, that, you know, combined on the goal with Hornquist and, and Barkov getting the assists on the Huberto tally. And, uh, but... Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Uh, well said. That's that's not great for the the PK morale um, in that locker room, and, and hopefully they can rebound and get it back to you know what it was last season. That was a one of the few bright spots of last year's Hawks team was a, a top ten PK. Now we're getting into the more uh, general uh, observations, um, and I'd like to start with Andrew Shaw because I really like his game this year. I talked about him drawing the penalties uh, so far. He looks uh, faster than he used to be. Mm-hmm. I think the off ice training did him some well and uh you know you saw him come up on a rush and really force the issue uh when the hawks were trying to get back into that thing in the early serious the mid stages of the third period so uh despite some of the shitty defense that the team played overall um there were some chances and i felt like andrew shaw um, was a big reason obviously setting up uh that that first power play uh where excuse me the second power play the hawks had but the one they scored on i'm talking about uh with yeah. the brinket you know that, that's credited to uh shaw drawing the penalty so um I don't know if you have any comments on him so far. Yeah, no, I agree. I've really liked Shaw's game. I, I think, you know, he's not the the do stupid shit anymore guy, um, which is great. And, you know, even though he played under 12 minutes uh, two, you know, almost full two minutes on the power play, which is, is great for him. Obviously, good opportunity um, to be on a, on the, you know, in pretty much that Johnny Taves role of the of the power play or. Well, no, excuse me. That's kind of more of the Kirby Doc role. But um yeah, no, I agree with what you said. I mean, he was 100% in the dot tonight. I don't know how many draws he took in fairness, but that's a, a bright spot. A crazy stat of the night um, I'll have to bring up. But Dylan Strom, uh, 73% in the dot tonight, which is interesting. But um, wow. no, love love me some Andrew Shaw. Um, I, I like his game. I mean, he feels like he feels like just he's matured too, I think, a lot since we knew him as the mutt uh, in his first, you know, trip around the sun with uh with the chicago blackhawks so um yeah love love that you brought it up too i think it's that's absolutely something worth noting even though you know he's not really getting the glamour that you would hope for you know to bring attention to it but he is a changed player and he looks great all right uh, my next observation was about to bring it i think we covered that pretty thoroughly earlier bounce back season's underway uh, in summary all right on to my next one and that is adam boquist oh adam boquist you are so bad defensively, but you have so much potential offensively. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you noticed, Ron, and it's easy to just pick on him as soon as he's doghoused uh, in the early stages and you know, doesn't play much in the second. When he came back out and got ice time in the third, he was jumping up into plays and he was doing what he does best, and that's helped generate offense. So I do have to commend him on doing that. It could be real easy for a young player to just say, oh, fuck, I just got, you know, dogged by my coach and I'm, uh, you know, going to just, you know, half-ass it and not even want to play the rest of this game but he, he did he did what he could uh in the third period so i'll commend him for that but obviously uh you know you, you hell you your hot take earlier talking about sending him to rockford when that season opens up um i don't foresee that happening personally but I, that's what we're here for hot takes uh analysis and updates it's our motto at four feathers so um i just wanted to point that out um not, not trying to excuse his earlier flaws that got him uh that banishment initially but um just something to watch because he'll be at his best and most noticeable when he's doing things offensively and, and the defensive game fortunately we're probably just gonna have to sit through a bunch of struggles uh for that to improve yeah, and honestly, I I can kind of sum up everything that you just said in my point about sending him to Rockford and that being, you know, he's got to be able to play in an environment with no pressure. It's okay if you make a mistake because you're still going to play 23 minutes a night and you're you're going to get constantly thrown back out there no matter what. You can screw up. It's okay because I feel like, like you said, if he's being what he is first, that the, that offensive driving, you know, playmaking defenseman, then he's going to do that and become more confident in that area and have more time to do that instead of getting benched and only playing 13 minutes tonight or whatever it was. And then that's going to help the defensive game come along because he's going to be able to learn it and see more real-time scenarios where, hey, instead of you jumping up and being offense only, you got to think about coming back and being able to defend this. Um, and that's why I think him going to Rockford is just the best for him. I think it just allows him to go be the guy, play tons of minutes no matter what's going on. Because let's be frank, nobody would give a shit if the Ice Hogs played the minimum that they're aiming for 24-game season. They went 0-24. We'd live with it and move on as long as guys are developing. I just I think that's what's best for him. And hopefully they see that. I agree with you, though. I feel like they're not going to because why would I expect that much out of this organization? Um, but here we are. So that's, I agree though, right. rough night for Bokefist, but you do got to commend the kitty. I think he's got a good mindset and that's why I think he would take a rock for demotion pretty well. So this just brings up a quick question. Um, they had, a, I believe, uh, Zach, a guy from Cannon Hawks uh, podcast on Twitter follows us. Uh, he had asked, uh, you know, so was next game going to be the Wyatt Collinuck debut? Um, so I wanted to pose that to you, Ron, in place Ooh. of Adam Boquist. You know, I can see it for, especially for one game. Because um, in fairness, it's a development year. Even if Boakvist is a preferred prospect, maybe a higher ranking prospect to this organization, you got to give all these guys a look. It's it's best for them. Like Kurishev getting the time he's been getting over a Brandon Peary is good. Like that should be the case. Well, that's a no-brainer in my mind. This one's a little tougher, I think. <laughs> well, no, sure, fair, fair. But I, I think at the end of the day, I think Kiddo could use a night to sit. I mean, he sat a couple times last season in favor of Nick Sealer, who was just unconditionally waived because Dickhead didn't want to report to the Ice Hogs. Shame on you. Your contract is terminated. Who cares? You're out of here. You just free up a body for one of these young guys to be able to have a chance. And, like, this is the, where the question comes from. Is it Calinux? I I'm for it. Why not? Like, what do you have to lose? You might as well do it. You give Bokvist tonight to clear his mind a little bit. Maybe he has a nice dinner before the game because he doesn't have to play. 
you know, has a nice filet mignon with a, a lobster tail and maybe some <laughs> linguine pasta on the side and just get in a good mindset and keep it moving. And I, I think that could be good. So I'm here for it. I want to see Wyatt make his Blackhawks debut um, against the Florida Panthers on Tuesday night. I think that would be pretty special. You know what? I'll make a prediction. I think it will happen. Uh, I think there's, you know, in the game, obviously you can't change him out in there. I'm sure Jeremy Carlton could would have if he could have. Uh, but obviously uh, those aren't the rules. That ain't how it works. So next time up, next opportunity. Um, I think that, yeah. And you talk about this being development year. I was just, you know, joking with you because period what 30 something and so it's a no-brainer to put the young kid Kershev in over him this one's a little tougher but the principle yeah I wasn't trying to you know dog you there but that's yeah the principle of it so I could see that um happening all right um on to the next observation um I talked about this earlier um uh, so I'll just kind of make a joke about this one I said you know we only drive possession after falling behind a couple of goals when we're you know given our push back there so um I'm going to I think I'm going to contact the Blackhawks equipment staff um, and, and I'll pay for them. I just, uh, you know, a pallet of uh, smelling salts to the locker room. That sound good to you, Ron? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm just going to send it to him. Get up for the game. Uh, can you, you uh, get amped up and can you send the rest of the four feathers crew some of those too, so we can get up for these games and get even more excited about Blackhawks. Oh, hockey? dude, I, I did. Me and my buddies did those before uh, the one of the Vegas games uh, in the playoffs, and they they it gets it gets you riled up. I'll say that, but I uh, don't hold it too close, otherwise you're gonna have no nostril hairs uh, the next morning. Oof. So that's <laughs> maybe I a can little too imagine. close uh, on account of the beers that I had that night. But okay, uh, anyway, on to the next one. Uh, mine is get the puck the fuck out of the house. And the house is what I mean from outside the goal goes like a home plate baseball shape to the bottom of the circles up through the dots and across from the top of the circles, get the puck the fuck out of the house um, because Dahlia flails around a lot. As I mentioned earlier, the Dahlia flail, but you can help them out by not having the million scoring chances that cause them to dive every which way uh, for 20 second stretches at a time on a shift Ron, That's my rant for tonight. I don't know if you have any. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Get it out of the house. I, I like that. We got That needs to be on a T-shirt. We need to tell Tony about that and Schwartzy about that. But, um, yeah, I think just for me, it's it, it's something that Alex DeBrinkett said in his uh, post-game press conference, and that's just you got to show up for 60 minutes. You can't go on those nine minutes without a shot type runs. It's just not good for the development of the team. You know, just play balls to the walls all the time. Don't get lackadaisical. Let Johnny send you the smelling salts so you can get up for the game. Um, because I agree, at the end of the day, that's the, just the, how they need to play. And they need to do that for a consistent 60 minutes. Also, my biggest one of the night, holy shit, give Dominic Kubelik more minutes. Why in the hell is, you know, I think this game example, why is Janmark playing more minutes than Dylan Strom and Dominic Kubelik. Why? Be, like, you clearly think... Sh- said he had a good game. Come on, Ron. <laughs> yeah, I liked, <laughs> I liked his energy. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love energy, dude. <laughs> I'm just joking with you. Yeah. I know. But, like, I just... Uh, that just drives me nuts. You're preaching youth and, you know, these guys that are going to be part of the next core and these two arguably are going to be a part of it. I don't know about Dylan Strom maybe as much as I do Dominic Kubelik, but then again, you can kind of argue, are you sure about Dominic Kubli? Because he's only had one really good season so far, and so is Strom. So they're kind of in the same boat. So why not give them those minutes to be developed? Like, why does Kubli have no power play, power play time? 
to me, yeah, that's the asinine. shot's supposed to be such a weapon. Right. You've seen like, it. It's that's asinine. Why in the hell is Dominic Kubalik not playing power play time? Also, if we're going back to special t- special teams time, why is Ian Mitchell not getting special teams time? Screw it. If you think Bokefist needs a night off, give Mitchell the second power play and see what he can do with it. The kid's a wicked passer. I saw a couple comments from some of our guys and friends of the show about, you know, his just passing ability and how sick it was. Like, come on, man. It's just use use better ice time for players on this that mean more to this team and the development of the future than guys that you're probably going to sell off in, what, two months? Yeah. Yeah, another one that's on this on a low end. I know he's a four blind guy, but Matt Highmore, um, six fifty. Just feel like he can bring more. You, you saw some from him uh, yeah. in the playoffs, and he did you know some good things during the Edmonton series in crunch time too. Um, yeah. So I think he warrants at least. I'm not saying he needs to be in the you know the skyrocket levels in the upper teens, but take hey, let's get him about the ten minute mark here. Uh, yeah. He can give or, you a little more jump if you give him the fucking opportunity. Or yeah, or like maybe just to add on to that point. Maybe for a game, if you really think that, I don't think Highmore is going to be offended for one night to sit. Play a seventh defenseman. Get a Wyatt Kalanick out there. You know, get one of these Lucas Carlsons or or Nicholas Bodines out there and give them a shot too. So maybe you can get creative with that ice time as well. Not a shot at Highmore, but if you just don't value him for that game for whatever forsaken reason, then don't play him. All right, uh, good points there. Let's move on, Ron. Uh, time to preview the next game. We'll be right back at it uh, against the Panthers on Tuesday night, January 19th, 6 p.m. Central Time on NBC Sports Chicago. Um, you know, the storylines come into this where Panthers hadn't played yet. They had their first two cancel against the Stars. Uh, we talked about it right as we brought this in. Didn't look too rusty tonight, so I expect another poised effort um, from them, another hard effort from them. Uh, better get the smelling salts out. Um, let's go with the stick to click. This is a tough one. I, I have two guys on the brain right now. Um, the easy one is Alex DeBrinkett. Um, I feel like that's a pretty straight-up answer, right? Hey, he's scoring. Let him play more. You know, like, he's he's going to be that guy, I feel like, for us with, with Kane. Um, but the little off-the-wall one is the one I'm going to go with. Give me Dominic Kubelik. I think tonight he showed that I need more minutes because – Collins had played him more later in the game than he did early. So I'm going to go ahead and say Kubelik's going to play probably in that 14 and a half to 16 minute range. And I think he's going to pot one and maybe get an assist too. I think he's going to be a man on a mission. You're going to see that second line with Kurashev, Strom, and him really show up and do some damage. Nice. Uh, I was considering him as well, uh, but I'll to keep your theme on the second line here. Um, and I will go with Dylan Strom. Um, this guy has uh, knock him all you want for his board battles, Pat Comiskey, uh, for his speed, uh, Austin Blackhawks, D zone, uh, Ron, you too. The guy has great vision. Um, you get him set up on a power play. We obviously saw him feed cat, uh, in game two against, uh, the Tampa Bay lightning on that power play. Um, if Kubelik's going to get a goal, wouldn't be surprised if the primary comes from Mr. Dylan Strom. So I will go with Strom. All right, that wraps up our recap uh, of the Blackhawks versus Panthers 5-2 to two loss on Sunday, January 17th here. Once again, we'll be back uh, after Tuesday night's game, uh, the 19th, against the Panthers. Once again, uh, 6 p.m. Central Time start. So uh, make sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 4FeathersPod and the main account at ontapsportsnet. And as always... If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a five-star rating and review as well as subscribe uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. So 
Ron, let's send this thing out. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks, baby.